saw in the waters around Alaska. We had our gray tactical suits on, no reflective material anywhere. This was all covert stuff, something you'd see in a thriller. Everything black, dark IR strobes, only visible with infrared scopes, not so much as a light flashing on the chopper. We raced low over Cook Inlet, the only illumination coming from the glow of Anchorage as it slipped away behind us, reflecting off the hulking white pans of ice that flowed in the ripping tidal currents. Two minutes out, they signaled to us that we were a few clicks from the drop zone. Roger and I began our routine checks of each other and ourselves. Doing water work in Alaska, you must wear the dry suits, because wetsuits won't do the trick. The water is just too cold. We wore specially made survival dry suits, and they are a real pain in the ass to climb into. The suits have two heavy rubberized zippers and painfully tight rubber gaskets at the wrists and neck. The smell of the rubber gaskets always reminded me of bicycle inner tubes. Imagine tying a rubber noose around your neck and then having the strongest person you know wrenching on the business end, and you've got an idea of the strangling effect. To ease the constant choking sensation, we rigged up neck rings. This simple little device closes in around the neck so the thick, death-gripping gasket rolls down off your Adam's apple and windpipe. This provided a little respite and kept us from being purple-faced and choking to death the whole time en route. Almost to the insertion point, Roger and I slipped off our neck rings. Then, even with everything perfect, these state-of-the-art suits still leak. Roger gave me the zipper sign, then the neck ring sign, and I nodded back, uh, yup, you're good. Checks like this between partners could be the difference between life or extreme discomfort and death. When geared up for operations, you simply can't see your entire body because you have too much equipment in the way. You rely on your buddy to double-check zippers, rings, buckles, harnesses, and straps. In my career, I managed to avoid a few slip-ups because I noticed a handful of guys who failed to do the buddy check. The mistakes were always kind of funny, so long as no one died. Our unit had been pretty lucky. If anyone had an operator error, the result was generally minor. Normally, when things go bad, you've got your wingman there to help. During waterwork training, our safeties were our teammates, and we almost always had a safety boat in the water. But on this night, as we were about to make our plunge, no safety boat waited below. Just one monstrous inlet draining into the Pacific Ocean. Two helicopters in complete tactical blackout mode. No lights. The only security for me was the fact that we had some of the most incredible rescue men in the world on that second bird. And then there was my partner, Roger Sparks, one of the finest pararescue men to have dropped from the Alaskan sky. A seasoned Marine Force recon and a veteran of all sorts of missions, trainings, and rescues. I wasn't naive. It wasn't as if I thought nothing could go wrong. But with Roger by my side, the odds were in my favor if something did. The event was supposed to be a straightforward exercise, but I suppose they all are. We were to do a low and slow, where the helicopter is between 10 and 20 feet above the water, flying 5 and 10 knots, not very fast. Roger and I would slide open the doors, jump out, splash, nothing to it. Then the helicopter would fly a little dogleg and come back, drop the cable to us, we would hoist up, get in the aircraft, jump back out one more time, and then climb up into the chopper, the last time using a rope ladder. Although I wasn't such a huge fan of water work at night, I always liked jumping out of the helicopter. 
This is the cool part of the job. Like in the military recruitment commercials, when you see the battle-ready warrior's feet together come flying out of the chopper. Splash. It's like that. A huge rush of adrenaline. I relish those moments of freefall most. But that exciting half-second in the door isn't bad either, where I'm looking out and thinking, whoa, baby, this is my job. They are paying me for this. Even on this night, as I prepared to jump into the turbulent and frigid waters of Cook Inlet, I was excited and looking forward to the jump. Those ridiculous cold-water concerns that had floated through my mind minutes earlier as I lifted off from my hometown? Gone. Gone, baby, gone. You accept a degree of faith every time you step to the door of the aircraft you are about to jump out of. I hovered at the chopper's doors, ever so careful. I wore fins and eased right to the brink. In my mind, I ran through the whole process to the jump, attentive so I wouldn't...